Thank God that we can come together again. There's nothing like the church coming together. Amen. Amen. We always need one another. We need that spiritual fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray right now before I share with you. Lord, we confess this morning that you rule supremely, that you are the king and you sit on your throne. You not only rule over the universe, but also over your kingdom. And we confess that you are the Almighty. We thank you for the privilege of being able to come together in your name as your people. And this morning we submit to your rule and your authority. You are the King. We pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will anoint your word. And then he will anoint our ears that we may hear what the Spirit is saying. We pray that every thought will be taken into captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may he be lifted high and above all things this morning. Amen. God bless you. I was going to uh, do slides and I was going to speak on uh, equipping the church to do the work of the ministry. I don't know how many people know and understand Scripture. That Scripture says that God has raised up certain ministries. In Ephesians 4, you'll read about them. Those ministries have been raised up by God for a specific purpose which somehow throughout the many centuries the church has not grasped. And it tells us very clearly that these have been given to equip the saints, God's people with the saints, to do the work of the ministry. Every born-again believer is a minister. He's a minister of the new covenant. He's a minister of reconciliation. And because every believer is a minister, we have tremendous responsibilities. The world is in a mess. Disaster wherever you go. And somehow we don't have the impact that we should have. It's because we put our focus on a few who we think are the ministers. And yet God has called all of us. And specifically as ministers of reconciliation. Now I was going to preach on that this morning. <laughs> and I wanted to share with you how we are equipped. You know, God doesn't tell you to do something and not equip you. He equips us. But I told him to put that in a cold storage till I come again. Amen. This morning, I want to share just a few things that I feel the Spirit of the Lord has laid upon my heart, and I just wrote it down. That's why I got this piece of paper here. I'm getting a little older now, and I forget very easily. 
In fact, this morning I went right past the turn off. And I was a little bit worried to find the place. But I'm here, praise God. I want to speak about the gospel. The Bible tells us there was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. This man was a Pharisee. Not only was he a Pharisee, but he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the best of the lot. He was taught by one of the great teachers of the time, a man by the name of Gamaliel. The Pharisees were people that were so religious. They did everything in their power to obey the law of Moses. In fact, someone said that uh, they were so legalistic that they would not even eat an egg that the hen laid on the Sabbath. You're supposed to laugh at that, you know. <laughs> That's how religious they were. And here was this man, Saul of Tarsus, a very religious man. And yet he was persecuting the people of the way. When you read in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, the people of the way, that was the first, uh, that's what they called Christians in the beginning, where they were followers of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So, they, so he persecuted them. He hounded them into prison. And many of them were even killed because of their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it all in the name of religion. A religious man. There's far too many religious people sitting in our churches today. They're not spiritual. There's a difference between religion and being spiritual. Religion is man-made. But to be spiritual means you are born again of the Spirit of God. God is looking for spiritual people that have an understanding of the times and have an understanding of his word. Saul was also one of the men that stood by when the first martyr was stoned to death. Stephen. They stoned him to death and there Saul of Tarsus was standing condoning it. So if you look at all of that, you must admit this morning that he was a bad man. But one day on the road to Damascus, a bright light shines around him and he falls down to the ground. And a voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, he never persecuted Jesus physically. He persecuted the body of Christ, the people of the way. When we are born again, we are the body of Christ. I don't know how people can say, oh, I love Jesus and I believe in Jesus, and yet they hate the church. The church is the body of Christ. And when you persecute the church, or when you criticize the church, or when you've got nothing good to say about the church, you're speaking about Jesus because He is the head of the church. Amen. 
gets up and he's blinded. But something happens that day. This bad man, his life is transformed. And he becomes a brand new creature. God gives him another name. You're no longer Saul, you're Paul. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote most of the books in the New Testament. Besides Jesus, there's never been another man like Paul. He suffered for the name of Jesus. He was persecuted for the name of Jesus. But he never faltered. He stood tall. And in Romans 1.16, he declares this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. There are many gospels today. There's the gospel of prosperity. Where, where people believe, oh, because we're the children of God, we should prosper and we should be wealthy. But somehow they make it as if, 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 if a person is poor, uh, it is a sin. And yet Jesus was poor. It's a false gospel. There's a gospel of good works. Just have to do good works and you're okay. It's a false gospel. It's the gospel of socialism. It's a false gospel. Paul said there's only one true gospel. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, he says I've delivered unto you. He's speaking to the, the, the Christians. That which I received myself. That how the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures, and was seen alive of Cephas, then of the twelve, and later of over 500 people at one time. There is a clear-cut proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice, he says, Jesus died for our sins. Nothing else. It's got to do with sin. Jesus died for our sins. Romans says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Every man, every woman is a sinner in the sight of God. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, fornication, murders, lies, and adultery. There is the cause of all the problems and the issues of life. Somehow we don't understand it. Somehow this one gets blamed, that one gets blamed, this gets blamed. It is the heart of man that is the problem. And the only remedy... For the heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other remedy. 
You can take a man and you can put him in prison. He'll come out and he'll go back for a longer period of time. He'll be in and out there for the rest of his life. The prison cannot change a person's life. The alcoholic's home cannot change a person's life. The drug addiction places cannot change a person's life. The murderer, the liar, the thief, and the robber. It is a heart that is deceitful and needs the power of God to change. The heart of man. And I look back in my own life and I look how bad I was until I met Jesus. And he changed me, made a new creature out of me. The responsibility of the church and of every believer is to proclaim the gospel. Not to be wishy-washy about it. Not to be double-minded. There's one gospel, and that's the gospel that Paul shared in Corinthians. You know, the amazing thing, the cross of Jesus, when we speak about the cross of Jesus, we're not speaking about the actual cross to which he was nailed. That was just a piece of wood. When the Christian speaks about the cross, we're speaking about the complete work of Jesus Christ in his sacrificial death on the cross. The cross has no virtue. The virtue is in the man that was on the cross and is no longer on the cross. He's risen and he's alive forevermore. But the cross is the center of Christianity. The cross is the center of the Bible. All the Old Testament teachings must go through the cross. The cross is the hermeneutic filter. And all the blessings and the privileges that you and I as Christians can experience and enjoy flows from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for the cross. I want to just mention three very simple things this morning concerning the blessing and the privilege of the cross. The very first thing, there's the forgiveness of sin. How many people are walking around under the cloud of condemnation? Their own conscience condemns them. How many people are held captive by their old life? Unforgiveness. The Bible says that God forgives us. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I will remove your transgressions. No one knows how far the east is from the west. He says, I will cast your sins in the sea of forgetfulness, and I, God, will forget them. God forgets. He doesn't hold something against us. God doesn't hold something against me from my past. When he forgave me, he forgave me. When I make a mistake, he doesn't say, oh, yeah, 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 listen, remember 20 years ago. No, we don't do that. He's the God of forgiveness. He washes the slate clean. He makes it pure and holy and covers it in his own righteousness. That is grace, unmerited favor. 
Those religious people, they brought a woman one day. She was caught in adultery. And they said to Jesus, the law of Moses says that this one should be stoned to death. And Jesus kneels down and he writes on the sand. And then he says to them, he that has no sin, may he cast the first stone. And they walk away while he was writing. What was he writing? He was probably writing all their sins on the sand. Jesus held nothing against them. He said, woman, where are your accusers? He said, there's none. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. She got up and she walked away and she was forgiven for eternity. He forgives. He's a forgiver. I'm busy teaching our church of the characteristics of the kingdom. That you and I are not part of the kingdoms of this world. We're here, but we're not of here. We are part of the kingdom of God. There's a new, new morality, new ethics that we live according to. And we behave according to the kingdom of God. Not the kingdoms of this world. Amen? Amen. When Jesus was on the cross, stripped naked, humiliated, spat upon, friends and family walked away. Mocked him. And, he, and, 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 he, and, and at that moment of his uh, time of his life, he is crucified between two thieves. They did everything in their power to disgrace him. But it takes a thief who'd lived a life of sin, was now condemned to death. I don't know what he did, but he was condemned to death. Because the cross is the hangman's noose. It's the electric chair. And it takes this thief to look across and see a man who was bleeding, who was probably filthy, who was naked. But somehow he sees beyond all that and he sees a king. Sometimes the church cannot even see that Jesus is the king. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus could have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your whole life you've fooled around. And now you've got a few minutes to live and you know it's the end. Now you want to make right. He could have said that. He could have said that. You would have said it now. I would have said, where do you come from now? But Jesus says, today, not tomorrow, today will you be with me in paradise. <laughs> Jesus forgave the harlots, the thieves, the robbers, the liars, the murderers. He forgave them. He's a forgiver. That is grace. He forgave me when I did not deserve it. But it's grace. Amen? Amen? Christians, citizens of the kingdom, should be experts in forgiveness. We can't stand like this in church and say, bless you Jesus, and then get onto Facebook and say horrible things about other people. 
We can't get onto Facebook and use foul language and say, bless you, Jesus. It means nothing. It's hypocrisy. Kingdom people are challenged to be different. I was a drunkard. I was rough and raw. Maybe still a little bit raw, but... <laughs> Jesus changed me. I have new values. I love all people. But we've got to have a standard in the body of Christ. Not law, not legalism. Just as good citizens of the kingdom. Amen? We have to be experts in forgiveness. Now, I wonder this morning if right in this meeting, if you're not sitting in prison, the prison of unforgiveness. Maybe you have something against somebody, you just can't forgive them. You're in a prison. Or maybe someone who won't forgive you is putting you in a prison. And that's why it's so important. You know, there are people in the body of Christ, they, when they, they come to church, they will see where a certain person sits, and they will sit way on the other side. That should not be. The kingdom of God is different. We, we can't do what the people are doing outside, or, or people who are unconverted. We are new creatures. It's, he never took the old man and just polished me up a little bit and took away the alcohol. No, he made me a new creature. That's who we are. And we are challenged to live in the newness of life. You need to let go this morning. You need to forgive people this morning. You need to receive forgiveness this morning. Because God is a forgiver. And it's a great characteristic and a principle of the kingdom of God. The second thing I want you to notice, not only uh, are we forgiven, but also He changes us. And this is the verse of Scripture that I love. 1 Corinthians 5 says, He says, if, and I note, notice the if, if a man or a woman is in Christ, they are new creatures. All the old has passed away. And everything becomes new. That is clear. That is, you, don't, you, don't get, you don't get converted and become religious. You're a new creature. Born again of the Spirit of God. And you become a living member of the kingdom of God. And there are rules in the kingdom of God. There are, there are many things that, that Jesus said that's part of the kingdom. When he came, they said to him, aren't you going to help us against these Romans who are persecuting us and, and giving us a hard time? What did Jesus say? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. You and I can't give our energy and our time and everything we have to the kingdoms of this world because all the kingdoms of this world are going to come to naught. There's only one eternal kingdom, and it is the kingdom of God. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And I ask the Holy Spirit to help me every day that I don't think like the world thinks that I don't behave like the world behaves, that I don't walk like the world walks, but that I walk and live and think like a good citizen 
of the eternal kingdom of the living God. He changes us. doesn't make us a better person. He makes us a brand new person. We who are Christians, who are born again, we are kingdom people. New ways, everything changes. Now Ephesians chapter 4, when he says, we must walk worthy of our calling. I, I, don't know, I don't understand how we can, Jesus saved me, and Jesus gracious, and he saves us, and we go back and do everything we've always been doing. Now that you're new, New way of thinking. Of course, you're a baby in Christ. We're babes in Christ when we go we, and we grow. He says, now we've got to walk worthy. You can't just throw your voice out there and, and say all kinds of things about all kinds of people and think it's, it's not harmful. Walk, walk worthy of your calling. You may be a school teacher here this morning who's born again. You're not a school teacher who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to be a school teacher. The highest calling that I have is not of a pastor. The highest calling that I have as an individual is being a Christian. A member of the kingdom of God. Amen. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm shocked when I see ministers, pastors, getting involved in all kinds of stuff and using Scripture to back up their way of thinking. It, it is sad. We can't do that. We mustn't do that. Only Christ King is eternal. And the last thing I want to share with you it comes from the cross. So, so we have the wonderful forgiveness of sin. I'm free. And I go to bed tonight, I don't feel condemned because there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Don't hate anybody, don't hold grudges against anybody. I get mad with people, make no mistake. But the Bible says, get angry, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So if I get angry at 6 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I'm okay again. <laughs> Amen. The third thing is, these things flow from the cross. The third thing is eternal life. Eternal life. You see, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, if we Christians have hope in this world only, we of all men are most miserable. In other words, he says, if you, if you die and that's the end of it, you may as well eat, drink, and be merry. Of course, tomorrow you die. But the moment you are born again, life eternal comes in. We are to live forever and ever. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a promise of a resurrection, not from one death, from two deaths. Because first of all, the Bible says we are all dead in our trespasses and sin. So before I met Jesus Christ, I was actually a walking corpse. Because I was dead in my trespasses and sin. Now that doesn't mean physical death, what it means, I am dead to God. If I live in my sin and I reject Jesus Christ, I can pray till the cows and the sheep come home. He doesn't hear. Your sins have separated you from God. He doesn't hear. The only prayer he hears is the prayer calling for forgiveness and to become born again. So we're spiritually dead. 
That's why you can see what people write. That's why men can have degrees in theology and you look at the junk that they write. Why? Because they're spiritually dead. But the gospel can resurrect us. Thank God for that. He brings us out of that spiritual death whereby we have a relationship with God the Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can enter into the Holy of Holies with absolute boldness, with no fear. Why? Because we come in that new and that living way, the Lord Jesus. Power of death is broken. And we're a free people this morning. You don't have to go to God through the priest. You don't have to go through the pastor. You don't have to go through the elder or the committee. You have access yourself right into the throne room. Also, because of the cross, because he rose again, there's coming a day when there will be physical resurrection. You know, when you do funerals and you see how sad and broken people are, there's something terrible about death. Yet as a believer, deep in our hearts, we know that the grave is not the end. Resurrection day is coming. The Bible says the Lord will return. I don't know how many people are preaching and teaching it today, but all these weird things that are happening around the world, they are signs that Christ is coming back again. There's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel. The trumpet of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to be resurrected. And those which are alive are going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And together they are going to be caught up in the air to be with the Lord forever and ever. Jesus is coming back. The kingdom of God that I tell you we're part of was, is, and is to come. When Jesus the King walked on the face of the earth in a human body, wherever He went, there was the kingdom. Love, peace, joy, deliverance, forgiveness, hope. He's the King of the kingdom. He's gone back to the Father. Now the kingdom is in the church, the people of God. What happened when Jesus was on earth should happen when you and I are on earth and we're on earth right now. Do we bring peace? Do we bring hope? Do we make a difference? That's kingdom. But when He comes, the physical kingdom of Jesus is going to be set up and on that throne will be the one who they crowned with thorns. King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank God for this wonderful hope we have that this world is not our home. We're just passing through, heading for a city whose maker and builder is God. Heading for a city that has foundations. And while we're waiting for that day, let's walk, live, speak, worthy of our kingdom and our King.